from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. I think my biggest concern is everything looks great. Everybody's bullish, everybody's optimistic. We've been a long way, that's perfectly fine. It feels good from where we've come from. That contrarian in me with some of the weak seasonals that are coming up, maybe a little consolidation, but these, these stats we've all just listed hopefully should be comforting uh, for the bulls. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here. Uh, we have a special guest, Jason Hoodie, is going to join us in a little bit. Now, you might notice we're missing Jeff Bookbinder, and there is a real special reason that we do not have my normal sidekick, as you can see here on the YouTube channel. Jeff is 29 years old, or 12, I should say 29 years young. Now, Full disclosure, he might be a tad over 29. It's a real special birthday, though, for Jeff, one of those big ones. So I believe his birthday is today. I'm pretty sure it's today um, on Monday as we're recording this. Um, so Jeff's taken a, a day or two off to enjoy his birthday. But we've got um, a, a real happy picture of Jeff smiling there on our YouTube channel with some balloons and a nice birthday cake. So happy birthday to Jeff. Um, if you guys follow him on Twitter or anything at Jeff Book, actually, I'm not sure what his Twitter handle is, actually. Maybe I'll look it up here. Maybe I'll look it up in a little bit to make sure I have it correctly. But he's definitely on Twitter. Um, you can wish him a happy birthday there. I know he'd um, he'd appreciate that. So I'm just going to kind of go solo for a little bit here. We'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm not used to doing this without Jeff. So hopefully I can um, man the fort here. We're going to talk, um, kind of do some pros and cons, right? We've listed some potential worries that could be lurking out there. We'll start with that. And then we're going to finish things up with talking about some bigger picture, major pluses that are out there that still suggest any potential weakness in equities here. We would actively use it as a buying opportunity. And then again, in the middle, sandwiched in the middle, I will do one more talking dog joke. I did a talking dog joke last week. Seem to be kind of popular, so someone sent me another one. So, you know, a good talking dog joke, maybe it can be a running joke on this podcast. We'll, we'll do talking dog jokes. Um, not too many, but maybe one a week for a while. So shoot me a dog joke if you know any. And then we're going to bring Jason Hoodie in as well to talk about um, Earth Day, which is this week on Thursday, and sustainable investing and how well, some of the things he's doing at LPL Research and LPL Financial in general are doing to help our advisors um, when it comes to sustainable investing and a lot of other things. So Jason, it'll be a fun conversation um, in a little bit when Jason comes on. We'll just do a quick review of last week, right? You think about last week for uh, from a stock market point of view, up again, right? More, more strength. I believe it's um, four weeks in a row now that the S&P has gained at least 1%. Uh, that's one of the longest streaks we've seen since late 2018, early 2019. Longest we've had in recent memory was six weeks in a row of at least a 1% gain coming off of the 2009 lows. Um, so really strong. Now, what got everyone uh, kind of excited last week was the realization this economy continues to open up. Retail sales came in at up 9.8% in March. That was way above what was expected. Most people expected it to be pretty good. It was even better than that. And again, if you're looking on the YouTube channel, you can see we've got, you know, we've seen four really big monthly gains. If you go back in history, those are like the, the last year we've seen the four largest monthly gains in um, retail sales history. Now, of course, you know, leading up to that in March and April of last year were the worst drops in retail sales we've ever seen. But it's truly amazing. Um, you know, it took only five months to make up for the losses we had in retail sales last year. The consumer has really continued to be strong. Um, that that 
helped the stock market in general last week, the realization that, yeah, you know, we're likely out of a recession. Technically, the NBER, they're the guys who are in charge of, um, I guess, calling it, if you will, you know, in a recession, not in a recession. We're technically in a recession. I don't think anyone in their right mind believes that, um, including the NBER, but they're not about being right. They're just about, um, I'm sorry, not about being first. They're just about being right. And we think, you know, um, Barry Gilbert, he's starred on this podcast before. His spidey senses are tingling. He thinks we could be a couple weeks away maybe from a, the official, you know what, the recession ended in, well, April, May, June, sometime around then. Um, but again, this is just a realization that we are likely not in a recession at all and uh, really positive. Now, the other thing that kind of was a little concerning, although virtually everyone has been expecting it, CPI rose 0.3% in March. I believe it was up 2.6% year over year. Both those are a little hot. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about inflation on this podcast. Feels like every week for a while because people continue to wonder all the stimulus that's out there. Um, you know, could we have massive inflation coming? And our base case we've laid out many times is we don't see massive inflation. Could we have three and a half percent inflation maybe by this summer? Absolutely. A lot of that is because year over year, those those returns or, or those um, numbers are so low from a year ago on a year over year basis. But the truth of the matter is, uh, we think the inflation could be transitory, things like the Amazon effect, globalization. Um, you know, there's just so many different reasons that are still out there uh, that, that suggest that inflation will still put a kind of a cap on inflation, I guess we'd say. That's our base case at LPL Research and has been for, for a while. Now, as we go forward here, um, I'm going to talk about things that scare us. I did a video with Neil, our producer, who's producing um, this podcast as we speak. Thank you, Neil. He and I had a lot of fun doing a Street View video. Uh, you can check that out on our YouTube channel. By the way, um, you know, if you follow this podcast on a YouTube channel or our, our Street View video, please give us a like, give us a follow. I guess it's a thumbs up. Technically, it's called a thumbs up when it comes to YouTube. Um, but nonetheless, we've had a lot of those views and thumbs up and, and give us a positive review wherever you get your favorite podcasts if you can as well, because that, that goes a long way to get this um, the OPL Research brand out there a little bit more with our social media. So we really appreciate that. Um, and before I get to the three things that scare us, I will say I, I watched that movie, Nobody. Um, it, it came out a couple weeks ago. I, I'm a fan, as you've heard the podcast, I like kind of over-the-top action movies. You know, John Wick, I think, is just amazing. Uh, you know, I think John Wick 2 and Godfather 2 are the best part two movies of all time, in my opinion, and I mean that. Um, so this Nobody movie, if you, if you watched it, Better Call Saul or um, Breaking Bad, you know, he's the... He's Saul, Saul Goodman, and he's an action star now. You never would have imagined that he could be an action star. But the cool thing, for 1999, I got to watch it at home. I didn't go to the movie theater. I watched it at home. And if you guys like over-the-top action movies uh, with a few thrills and, and um, things you didn't see coming, a few twists and turns, it was it was really good. I mean, it was a lot like John Wick, so they, they, you know what's going to happen. And they left the door wide open for Nobody Part 2, which uh, I hope they make. So anyways, there's my little review of a movie for you there. So that, that doesn't really scare me, but there were some scary, some scary scenes in that movie. Three things that scare us here. Um, you know, the idea of could things be too good? I mean, <laughs> you just look at a lot of the cinnamon polls or see We wrote this in our weekly market commentary, actually. You can read that by the time you see this podcast on LPL.com. Um, our weekly market commentary, we titled it Peak Euphoria. You know, there's a lot of optimism. I mean, things are a lot better. I just talked about things being a lot better. Well, you know, we just hit the highest levels of manufacturing since 1983, the highest levels of um, services of all time. That's great. I mean, believe me, from where we were, that is wonderful. But when you peel back the onion, as Jeff likes to say on this podcast, it maybe isn't quite as good from an investment's point of view as you might think, because again, everything's good. People realize things are good, right? This earnings season, 
Remember a week ago when Jeff said earnings would be up 30, we thought earnings could be up as much as 30%, um, you know, year over year in the first quarter. Well, there, after one week, <laughs> earnings are already expected to be up 31%. I mean, some of the beats that we saw from the financial companies was truly, truly amazing. I know I've got tons of scribbles in front of me. Um, JP Morgan was supposed to earn $3.10. They earned $4.50, uh, beat expectations by 49%. Goldman beat expectations by 85%, and Wells beat expectations by 54%. Full disclosure, those are not recommendations on those three. It's just to put a context of how unbelievable these beats have been already. All right. And then you got the good PMI data that we had last week. Uh, we looked at when you have strong PMI data on the manufacturing front, like we just did. Sure enough, three and six months later, your returns are flat to negative. Now, that's not the end of the world. I mean, we're up 80%, over 80%. Uh, but again, maybe things are getting a little potentially frothy, and that is something that potentially scares us. Another one that scares us, stocks are pricey. I mean, Jeff's talked about this a lot on the podcast. Um, you know, he's mentioned... U.S. relative to the rest of the world is getting a little pricey. Um, you know, you look at Japan. Japan's actually still, we'll call it relatively cheap compared to the rest of the world. That's one one of the reasons we like Japan from a developed international point of view. But P, forward PE multiples on the S and P are the highest that they've been since. Drum roll, please. The late 1990s. We hear that and we immediately start to get worried. Um, now let's not forget PE. There's two parts to that, right? The E part keeps going up significantly. The PE multiple this year, right? Uh, the, the the overall. Um, how do I want to word this? The overall earnings expectations in 2021, since the start of the year to now, is up like 10%. Right? Stocks are up like 10%. So PE multiple has been relatively flat this year, but it's still extremely high um, on a long-term basis. And you, I, I've said it like this, you can't look at PE multiples just you know, simply in a vacuum. You got to consider the fact we have low, inf historically low inflation. Now, we just talked about inflation's coming back a little bit, but still 2.6% year over year is still pretty low in the whole spectrum of inflation. And even 3.5% if we get that this summer, it's still, that's about average, right? Um, and, and interest rates are extremely low still historically. Um, so you, when you have that, you can have a little bit higher of a PE multiple. And Jeff has explained that and talked about that before. We saw that in the 50s as well. So it's still a concern, though, right? You stub your toe, price of your stocks could be potentially hurt. Um, so that's just something to be aware of. And, you know, as I was talking, just different things popped in my head as I'm talking. Uh, yields. One of the surprising things, I think, last week was the 10-year yield actually started to go lower. Now, maybe it's not that surprising. It's had an unbelievable move higher. And again, people talked about, you know, demand out of China, demand out of Japan. We actually had some strong auctions. We had some weak auctions before, a couple of weeks ago. We had some strong auction demand. So whatever that is, or whatever you want to call it, Yields came a little bit lower. And again, I think it's almost as simple as Japan has like negative yields, right? A lot of the places around the world are maybe not necessarily negative, but lower than the U.S. with our, I'm going to call it tasty 1.75, 1.8% yield, a 10-year that we had not too long ago. They come in and, and potentially buy our yields. We discussed on the podcast recently, we did up our 10-year target. Maybe we can get up to 2% or so by the end of the year. I think that's likely as the economy continues to improve. But we don't think we're going to have rip-roaring higher um, uh, yields here, but they're going to trend higher. I mean, and that could impact bonds like it has. And this is like the worst first quarter for treasuries, like of all time, almost this year, really rough first quarter for bonds. Fortunately, those stocks obviously have done well, and they've really done well in, in April. So one of the concerns, again, is PE multiples. Um, we're going to bring Jason here in a couple of minutes, Jason. Um, but the, the third thing that scares us, looking at just previous bull markets, again, you should see this on the YouTube channel. We've shared this blog or this chart on lplresearch.com, our um, our blog site. But if you just overlay this bull market, which started again March of last year, with the March of 2009 bull market, they nearly track each other. I and mean, it's really amazing how they've just been tracking each other for over a year. But you know what happened right about now? 
in that um, 2009, 2010 bowl, stopped going up. And it's probably as simple as you can't go up forever. There was a 16% correction into the summer months. Pretty scary correction. I, I remember, you know, being around then and trading and doing some investments. And we all thought, oh, my goodness, we're going right back down, right? Everyone panicked on that 16% correction because, um, again, you thought the financial crisis, double-dip recessions right around the corner. Fortunately, that wasn't the case. It just was the market catching its breath before it eventually moved higher before the end of the year. And obviously for about another 10 years, honestly, um, but there was a 16% correction starting right about now. So that's one thing that potentially scares us. And again, at the, I'm going to tell one talking dog joke. We'll talk about Jason here. I'll talk with Jason for a while about sustainable investing and Earth Day and how we're helping our more than 17,000 advisors and the millions of families that they help service. Um, and then I'm going to talk about some bigger term picture uh, bullish stats that we've uh, discovered, not discovered, we didn't discover them, but I mean, that we've found over the last couple of weeks. So one more talking dog joke, and this is quicker. Remember last week's went for a while. This one's a little bit quicker. And Barry actually, Barry Gilbert actually sent this to me, texted it to me. So hopefully I say it correctly, Barry, and don't uh, butcher it. I guess if I do butcher it, that's the joy of this. We're recording it. I'll just say it again. Um, but two guys are walking their dog. Or two guys are walking. One's got his dog, Fido. Other guy's just walking with him. He goes, hey, um, you know, my dog actually can talk. The other buddy's like, you mean your dog can talk? Of course he can't talk. He's like, I'll bet you 20 bucks my dog can talk. I'm going to ask him a question. He'll give the answer. Guy's like, all right, you're on. He goes, hey, Fido, who is the best baseball player of all time? Fido kind of turns around, looks at him, goes, Ruth, Ruth. And the guy's like, what do you mean, Ruth, Ruth? He just said rough, rough. He's like, you're crazy. That, that dog didn't say anything. I'm not paying you. And they're, they're buddies. So they kind of got into it a little bit. The other guy stormed off. He looks at Fido. Fido looks at him. Fido goes, you think I should have just said Mantle? <laughs> hopefully you're like hopefully i did that one justice uh barry I, I think i hit it right that's a anyway that's the latest talking dog joke so at this time that's i don't know if that's a good intro or not but we're going to bring in uh jason hoodie uh jason did, did i hit it right did i do did i do it right the talking dog joke i think you did ryan it's a uh, tough tough to follow up after that though I know, I know. I feel bad following up a talking dog joke. But well, Jason, uh, thank you for being here. You joined us not too long ago. Everything's a blur. I know it was sometime earlier this year. We talked about, you know, sustainable investing and ESG and SRI and all the different things. So before we get to Earth Day, kind of tell us again, you know, um, you know how long you've been with LPL and how you help our more than 17,000 advisors. Sure. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Ryan. Um, yeah. Last time I was on, I think it was February. Yep. Uh, time's time, you know, 2021 is flying by. Uh, myself, uh, Ryan, I joined LPL 2015 and have been um, really involved with uh, sustainable investing, almost on board. So uh, 2016 got really involved um, and, and handled a lot of the questions coming in. Um, but it really has picked up steam the last couple of years, the, the, the interest in this area. So, uh, you know, we've got a community here growing at LPL that's very interested, uh, some advisors that are very engaged. And uh, what we're trying to do is, is meet that engagement and, and continue to um, help, help, help everyone really understand what Cicino Westing is and, and, and how it might, might align with what you're looking for. Uh, that's awesome, Jason. So one of the questions I want to ask you, and then we'll kind of get into it. I think one of the, I hate to say negatives, but maybe I'll say it. One of the negatives is we don't even know what this is called half the time. It used to be called SRI. I still call it ESG sometimes, but now we call it sustainable investing. I mean, you want to kind of talk about the process of how it's kind of changed and why those names have changed. It's always been about the same thing, but I think that's one thing. We're just trying to educate people exactly what we're talking about. You want to build on that? 
Yeah, I definitely do. And it causes a, uh, does cause confusion. Uh, and part of it has to do is it, it started a while ago. 1971 was the first mutual fund that you could consider in, you know, sustainable investing. So, you know, we're, we're coming on uh, 50 years there. Right. Um, and, and during that time it's evolved. So in the beginning, it was trying to avoid things certain investors didn't want exposure to. Of course, 1971, put yourself in, in that environment. It was Vietnam War. There were certain companies that uh, people did not want in their portfolio. They did not want to profit from. So, you know, you saw it later in that decade with, with, with um, uh, South Africa, um, and there were certain divestment strategies going on. But it evolved. The space evolved. Um, and it, data became more readily available as well. You saw more companies disclosing information. And with that increased information, um, you saw multiple strategies fall underneath this concept of responsible investing, sustainable investing, so SRI, um, they all kind of fall underneath that umbrella. And, and really, you need to know each one of the little subcategories to make sure it aligns with what you're looking for. So it does cause some confusion. I think that's due to the fact uh, that it has evolved. And maybe if you looked at it 10 years ago and you, and you think that's what it is and you haven't looked at it more recently, um, it, it can shift a bit. So uh, that's what we spend some time doing. And I think it's a common question. It's a good question. Yeah. Now, last year, um, sustainable investing in general saw a lot of flows. But let's be honest, if the performance isn't great, you might not chase it, even if you agree with it. I mean, that's just kind of the truth. The performance, tell me a little bit about the performance overall. It's, you know, just a broad swipe here of sustainable investing. I know they had really good year, right? Maybe why was that? What's the makeup of some of this that why they had such a good year uh, last year? Yeah, part of that is due to the way it approaches what ends up in the portfolio. So 2020 kind of put your, you know, time machine hat on. As you came in um, and, and the COVID panic hit, um, a lot of the companies that were in the portfolio were really well, um, it's, they were it called resilient. So they had done a lot of the work to see um, if stress hit their portfolio, were they, uh, you know, were these contingent um, liabilities in the portfolio or they had gone through and, and looked and investigated each one of these factors. So that's one of the main draws of sustainable investing is um, looking at what could happen, so those those risks that might happen, and and scoring them really, and seeing um, weighing them and saying if there's something that you uh, want to include or exclude. So what happens is a lot of times the companies that end up in the portfolio have lower risk. Um, they may have uh, more growth features to them, um, and typically there's. I would say it's, it's safe to say that you'd have a little bit more of a larger cap overweight, meaning you don't have as many of the smaller names um, in, in a portfolio. So if you think of what happened in 2020 during the sell-off, um, a lot of the names that did really well, resilient companies were already in sustainable portfolios. And then the recovery came. Um, it was, as most know, uh, large cap growth-led recovery. So it did well during the down Term, and then it did well in the upturn. So it really did have a, a, a really good year uh, because they were well positioned for both those sort of environments. Oh, perfect. Now this morning, you, you and I were talking about it. You mentioned a stat, I think it was seven times. I forget exactly, but something about the flows. Can you tell us about how, just how many how many flows are coming into this area right now? Because it's a hot area. Yeah, it is. Um, so 2019, um, if you look at all the numbers, uh, it set a record in flows. 2020, 
blew out 2019 in terms of record. And even first quarter, it's trending as well to kind of blow out first quarter of Q. We haven't quite tallied up all the numbers, um, but it's it's on way to trend that way. So um, you're seeing significant amount of flows. I think that has a lot to do with increased um, understanding of what the space is. Uh, and I think the performance does help. Um, I think there was some myths out there that um, you had to you had to give up some return in order to get exposure. But I think, um, again, as it's evolved over 50 years, it's not just about excluding. It's about understanding both risks as well as opportunities. Yeah, what I like about the group is there's some stickiness to it, right? If you believe in sustainable investing, you might have a pullback and it might not outperform for a quarter or two quarters, three quarters. But you know, what are we seeing for long-term investors? Some of the worst things that you can do or get scared out of things, right? And if you have a stickiness to it, if you have a confidence in it that you're not going to sell because you believe in it, you know, whatever the strategy is, time, a lot of times for our invest for investments is the best thing on your side. So I think that's a really important um, concept because if you're you know, trading some of the meme stocks and things like that, you're not sticking around forever. You're in it, you're in it, then you're out of it. But someone investing in this group, I think for them to really truly sell, they'd have to think long and hard about it versus if you really believe in what um, what what it stands for. And at the same time, we're doing it to make a little money too and hit your long-term investment goals. So those are those are powerful things. So Jason, this Thursday is Earth Day. Again, most people hear this probably on Monday or Tuesday. So it is Earth Day. It's also National Jelly Bean Day. We looked it up. We were making a joke that maybe jelly beans are actually good for the earth. You throw them outside maybe a, get a tree or something out there, jelly bean tree. But uh, nonetheless, how are, what are you doing and what's LPL Research doing, LPL Financial doing to help our advisors um, understand some of the concepts we just talked about as, as, as we have Earth Day coming up again this week? Yeah, we've put some um, collateral together. Um, we, we've done a couple of different things. We, we have uh, multiple tools for advisors. We have um, online modules for training for those that are new to it. Um, we have a, uh, a study group here at LPL for advisors that uh, is very beneficial. So again, if, if you've been in the industry for a while and you may have heard of it 10 years ago, it's a great way to brush up. If you're new to the industry and maybe you're um, really passionate about learning about it, again, it's a great place to uh, join and connect with like-minded uh, advisors. We also try, you know, I, I say, uh, Ryan, I say uh, it, it's kind of dates me that uh, we have Rolodex and I can share that Rolodex with you in terms of, um, of getting your network established. Um, so it's, it's about ex exchanging information, uh, bringing in some industry experts, and it's been very you know, be beneficial. So what we're trying to do is, is help uh, those that are interested uh, learn a bit more about this uh, through, you know, uh, formal education, informal groups, uh, so that this doesn't seem, as you said early on, one of the barriers is um, it's it's it sounds confusing. I don't have, right. uh, you know, I've I've learned one thing, but I'm hearing another. It, it's it's it just kind of re reinforces that confusion. So. I like to say, Brian, it's almost in a sense, if I normalize that it, it is when you first hear it confusing, um, it's, that's true. You're not alone. And I think uh, what we're trying to do is, is help those that uh, may want to look into it to have those options. Oh, absolutely. Now, obviously, this is a public podcast. We don't want to get too down this rabbit hole. But if one of our advisors are listening, is there a spot on the Resource Center they can get a little more info on this? Or how can they find that? Yeah, if it's one of our advisors listening, we do have a hub. Um, I like to call it Sustainable Investing Hub. And uh, if, you, if you're able to find that hub, uh, it's where everything's landed. Uh, we have, you know, recorded um, uh, study group meetings on there. We have every bit of collateral we've developed that's been dropped out there. Again, we have contact. And if you have any questions, contact me as well as other groups. So we do try to keep it all housed in one area. 
Perfect. All right, Jason, well, any final comments from you? And then I'll uh, take the show back. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think, Ryan, it was one of the things I mentioned earlier, that Earth Day is just more broadly part of that global shift towards sustainability. And, and did you know that sustainably marketed products grew seven times faster than conventionally marketed products? I, I thought that was a pretty interesting statistic. We like to rattle off statistics here. That was a big mm -hmm. one. That is, we call the show Market Signals for a reason. We're looking for signals, and seven times the growth is a, is a pretty big signal. That's awesome. Well, Jason, thank you for everything you're doing for our advisors and their clients and pushing. Again, I mentioned this before. Like, I mean, you started pushing for this, you know, several years ago to get our foot in the door and just get ready for what was likely going to be the next big thing. And as we said, the flows coming in and the performance, it absolutely is. So, you know, Brian, uh, if I could say one more thing, yeah, I know if you're, if you're watching on the screen right now, we have, uh, you know, uh, I shared an image from uh, earthday.org um, and they have 51 ways to restore our earth. Um, it's great. You know, you click in there and it kind of shows you, you know, if you do the math, that's, that's one every week, except for one more, maybe 52 is, you know, looking to sustainable investing. There. Well, there we go. Well, that's awesome. But yeah, Jason, thank you for everything you've done to get our foot in the door at LPL um, in general in this extremely ex explosive area of growth to help our advisor and help their clients. So Jason, thank you very much. I'm going to bring us home here um, the next five or so minutes. So take care, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. So guys, let's get in there. That was an awesome conversation there. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, clearly, like we said, it's a trend that's not going anywhere. In fact, it's probably only going to continue to grow and LPL is on the forefront there to make sure um, we can help our advisors and their clients um, invest in sustainable investing and learn exactly what it is um, as well. So uh, let's 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 wind things up here, guys, with I kind of listened to some worries a little bit ago. And then we talked with Jason there. Now we're going to talk about some of the bigger positives we see on a longer term basis um, from stocks here. Um, I did a blog the other day on LPLresearch.com. I think it was last late last week, Thursday or Friday, pretty sure Friday, um, but listed four reasons the future looks bright. I just this morning uh, saw the stats and it is the most read blog of the month so far. So I always said like numbers, the word number and bull. We used to make the joke that if you put like, you know, Trump in the headline or VIX in the headline or something like that, you get a lot of clicks. Don't do that as much anymore. VIX is low, no more President Trump. Nonetheless, four reasons the future looks bright for bulls was a pretty big hit, popular blog. So we're going to talk about it right now. Um, the first quarter for the S&P 500 up about 6%. That's that sweet spot. I know we talked about this last week on the podcast, but I think it's really important to note when you're up between five and 10% on the S&P that first quarter, that's the sweet spot. The rest of the year does pretty good up over 12% on average. If you have a negative first quarter, rest of the year is like flattish, right? It, it, it's like a warning sign. Um, if you're up over 10%, so really good first quarter, I think that's a good thing. And hey, who, you know, we take it, but the rest of the year doesn't do quite as well, up only about 8%, like 87, for instance, had a, a great start to the year. And obviously the and, uh, didn't finish up so great with a flat year, um, all said and done with a 20% crash in the middle. So we hit the sweet spot. So that should have some bulls smiling. Also, December low indicator. Uh, is a, if you watched on the YouTube channel, there's a lot of data there. It's kind of hard to see. The bottom line, guys, is this This was created by a Forbes, a Forbes writer, Forbes columnist, I think is the right word to use, um, back in the 70s. And it's real simple. I, I like simple. You know, it's a simple market signal that's powerful. You break the December lows on the S&P 500 in the first quarter, that's a warning sign. 2018 was the last time we had that, right? Uh, we, we broke it in 2018, and that was a warning sign. Stocks are down like 5% for the year when all was said and done in 2018. Good news, we did not violate the December lows this first quarter. And historically, the full year, this is crazy, the full year has been up 33 out of the last 35 times that's taken place. The only two times we were down, we're down like 
a percent, all right, flat or a percent. So that's a good thing. Uh, the full year is up 18%. Now we're up about 11%, 10%, 11% on the S&P right now. So, you know, you could say maybe there's a little bit more upside uh, if we can get to that average of 18%. Obviously, there's more upside um, in that case. And we think there probably will be a correction or sideways consolidation over the, the coming summer months, which is totally fine, totally um, understandable. As I laid out on some of the worries earlier, I'm also selling Mega Ways right around the corner. We'll talk a lot more about that very, very soon. But the worst six months are the summer months. We're leaving the best six months. But with the December low indicator did not trigger, that should have bulls smiling. We just had huge gains over the last 12 months. I'm pretty sure you all noticed that on a 12 on a month over month basis from the end of uh, March until um, so I guess March of 2020 to March of 2021, the S&P was up 53.7%. That's the best 12-month return since World War II. There are some times in the 30s where stocks are up like 150%, the 30s of all the records. But I kind of like to start around World War II. And um, you know, just to throw out some of those wild numbers that we saw back then. But the bottom line, this was the best 12-month return. And we looked at previous really strong 12-month returns on the S&P 500. Sure enough, a year later, you have um, a majority of the time up over 90%. Um, uh, higher, I believe it's 10 out of 11 times higher uh, with over a 12% average return. Three and six months later, though, you get some red returns in there. So I think it makes sense after a huge rally. Um, that's a bullish signal. It's usually the sign of a more of a start of a bull market, not the end of a bull market. But maybe there could be a little bit of a break or consolidation uh, a quarter or two out. Uh, last, I believe this is the last one. Uh, lastly, the extremely strong market breadth. I don't want to get too geeky with this, but we've talked before about the 200-day moving average long-term trend line. I think it's like 96% of all stocks in the S&P as of Friday or above the 200-day moving average. The only other times it's been 95, at least using Bloomberg data, going back to 1990, um, was in, I believe it was September of 2003, and then, or December, sorry, December of 2003 and September of 2010. So you think about those two times coming off major, major market lows. 2004, you had some consolidation, market kind of caught its breath. 2010, I already talked about a 16% correction in the middle of the year and then move higher. So that's what we kind of saw both those times. But the key thing, this much market breadth of this extreme strength tends to resolve higher going out a year. And our friends at Bespoke, and let me see if I can find it from all these papers that have got scribbles in front of me. Friends at Bespoke looked at the 50-day moving average. Over 90% of stocks are above the 50-day moving average. Currently, Bespoke went back to 2000. They found 13 times that that had happened. One year later, higher every single time, 13, unlucky or lucky, we'll call it lucky, lucky 13 for 13, up about 20% on average a year later. So again, these are, should be some comforting sign for the bulls. But again, some of the concerns are creeping up. I think my biggest concern is everything looks great. Everybody's bullish. Everybody's optimistic. We've been a long way. That's perfectly fine. It feels good from where we've come from. But again, that contrarian in me with some of the weak seasonals that are coming up, maybe a little consolidation. But these, these stats we've all just listed hopefully should be comforting uh, for the bull. So with all that, we went a little long this week. And you think here I always blame Jeff because Jeff just likes to talk and doesn't shut up half the time along with me. I talk and don't shut up either. So apparently I almost talk more here when I'm flying solo. But Jason came on with an awesome conversation as well. So thank you to Jason uh, for joining. Thank you for everyone who continues to listen to this podcast. We love doing it. We'll keep doing it as long as you guys keep showing up. Uh, so we appreciate that. Thanks, Neil, as always, for making this uh, top-notch. Uh, we, we appreciate it as well. And with all of that, guys, um, I don't have too much more to say. It's earnings season. A lot of earnings are coming up this week. Um, again, the, think about this. I'll leave you on this note. 
the first half of just about every month this year, because April's off to a rip-roaring start, January, February, March, and April, the first half of those months were really strong. It was the second half and later in the months that we've had a little more weakness, a little more pullback, right? I mean, markets, they pull back eventually. So just kind of be aware of that. And again, we're entering the dreaded sell in May go away. We'll talk more about that as we get there. The media hyped that up a little bit. Um, but still, it is what it is. The worst six months are right around the corner. So with all that, everybody, thanks again for being here. Enjoy Earth Day on Thursday. And uh, we'll see everyone next week. And I believe Jeff will be back. And again, his 29th birthday. So I'll ask him, what's it feel like, Jeff, to be a 29-year-old? We'll, we'll ask him then. See everybody next week. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.